0: So I want to I want to say something to the group and address you and mm-hmm. I want to give you an opportunity to reorient your thinking today about yourselves and about uh, where you are now in the story of God's people I I've been listening to you we've been talking since we arrived yesterday and I've heard a number of Of you say independently, uh, we're in each other's presence. I've heard other people here at the house say, you know, here in Ireland, we aren't very well formed in the faith. And that might be true in one sense, but I just want to invite you today to stop saying that. I want to invite you today to begin instead saying, We here in Ireland are hungry for the gospel. We're friends of God. We we long to know more of him. We long to love him. We long to make his name great. And sometimes the things we say about ourselves, put a banner, cast a certain die, lock us in, to ways of thinking that can impede the, the growth by grace that the Holy Spirit is working in us. So I just invite you today to say, we here today, we're hungry, hungry for more of the Lord. I'm hoping I can just help with just a little bit of that, uh, of that transformation by talking to you about a topic that is as big and wide and deep and perplexing and also as familiar as any topic could be. It's a topic that's simultaneously strange and familiar. It's something that we think we know about until we begin talking about it and we find ourselves lost as though we were trying to run on ice and couldn't gain any traction. It's a subject that has been a matter of intense philosophical investigation. Some of the greatest works in Western civilization and and beyond deal with this topic. I'm thinking of Plato's Symposium and the Lysis, and then the eighth and ninth book the eighth and ninth books of the Nicomachean Ethics by Plato's student Aristotle. I'm thinking of many many proverbs of Solomon that speak in praise of our topic. I'm thinking of Thomas Aquinas' treatise on charity and the scores, the countless number of poems and great works of literature that have to do with today's topic. It's a topic of literary exploration and philosophical investigation. It's a topic that's not only worthy of pursuit, but is necessary to understand in order to fully realize the life uh, that is good, indeed, that God has envisioned for you and your friends and your family. And today we're talking about friendship. I have three basic things I want to touch on. Come here. and look of the. So this may seem a bit chaotically organized. Uh, this is the overview of the talk. We're going to talk about the nature of friendship. okay? That's the big number one point. Then we're going to talk about different kinds of friendship. And then I want to talk about a specific kind of friendship, <coughs> namely true friendship. And this is an especially important kind of friendship. That's when we speak today of friendship, we are, we are typically speaking of what Aquinas will call true or perfect friendship or the, or friendship based on virtue. This is especially important because According to Thomas, the centerpiece of the good news of Jesus Christ is given to us in John chapter 15, where Jesus says to his disciples and through them to us, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. Now, in order for that to be good news, you need to know what a friend is. You need to understand what it is that our Lord is saying to us and to you in that moment and or even now so we're going to talk about true friendship which according to Thomas uh, is exemplified maximally in charity okay <clears throat> which is a kind of friendship and it once and also uh, a virtue of a, of a particular kind so we'll talk about the nature of friendship we're gonna talk about different kinds of friendship. Then we're gonna talk about true friendship. And then um, here I've given you some brief points about what's going to, what I'm going to try to touch on in each of these big divisions. Okay, but to begin, I need to start with a brief clarification, all right? When you and I talk about friendship, we, to the extent that we think about what we're saying we typically imagine friendship as a, as a state of affairs it's something amorphous something that in some sense might hover between two people so if i want to step back and reflect on some particular friendship of mine i might say you know my friendship with my wife is is like this or that and um, I might begin to then to describe its characteristics or its qualities, its longevity. I'm speaking now of our friendship as something that obtains between us. It's a state of affairs. It's an arrangement of uh, a complex arrangement of persons, or in this case, two persons in relation to one another. It's a kind of relation. All right. And Thomas will speak of friendship in, in this way. It's, Maybe in in, in uh, non-Latinate cultures, as I say, cultures that haven't been influenced by Latin, it's possible to, to think otherwise uh, about friendship, but we can hardly avoid talking about friendship in these terms as a kind of relation that obtains between two people. This is the case. It's also the case, according to Thomas, that any friendship as a relationship that obtains between two or more persons, there will be in the friends themselves a habitual disposition toward one another. Okay. And it's a disposition toward friendly conduct, toward treating one another as friends treat one another toward loving one another toward the performance of acts of friendship. Okay. And so you can see here, we're going to be tacking back and forth and sometimes I'll flag this and sometimes I won't, but we'll be talking about friendship in each of these terms. And why are we doing this? Why why talk about it in these terms? Well, at a certain point in what I'm about to say, you might begin to wonder if we're just dilating on these distinctions that academic theologians think are indivisible from the faith that we're actually called to live. I'm, you know, engaging in a kind of hair splitting that sort of you know takes a lot on a life of its own. I hope not. So the goal the goal is is to give you a vocabulary, a conceptual framework that will this afternoon bring into focus things that you already know. Okay, they will, um, they will, and those concepts and distinctions will help you to clarify, to better understand the friendships you already have, and to think about them, about what makes them good. And in cases where certain of your friendships are in need of growth, you'll be able to say maybe more clearly, what it is about those friendships that that stands in need of some kind of repair, okay? All of this is a prelude to a second talk this afternoon on friendship with God, okay? So here we go. So let's talk about the nature of friendship. What is it? Well, Thomas is informed by the eighth and ninth book, books of Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. Not just these books, he's all, he also has on hand uh, a number of commentaries on these books. And uh, although this isn't widely recognized, he's also informed by Cicero's treatise on friendship, which is itself indebted to Aristotle, among others. Okay? So he thinks that Aristotle has done about it as good of a job as, a, as someone at this point in time has done or perhaps could do in clarifying just in by natural reason what it is that friendship is like what it consists in and he comes to the understanding that this account this understanding of friendship can be distilled into about three points maybe four. The first is this, a friendship understood as a, as a relationship, as I'm calling it here obtains first, just if you have what Thomas calls goodwill. Okay. And I've given you the Latin here uh, because it's instructive. Bene volentia. It's, uh, it's not just, a kind of general amiability, you know, the the, the sense of um, uh, of it. Well, transient intimacy. You might feel you walk you pass someone on the sidewalk and think, "I'll oh, have a good day." I don't know. Do you say that to each other in Ireland? You don't in Connecticut, but you do <laughs> you do in Texas? Uh, you now, I'm talking about um, a particular kind of love. Okay, what is love? Well, we can describe love in many ways. Most basically, according to Thomas, to love someone is to will them some good. To love is to will some good to another. So self-love, to love oneself is to will some good to oneself. To love another is to want something for them. To wish something for them and you'll notice as you begin thinking about this that with respect to those you love it's not just one thing that you want for them but it's many things but in any case every kind of love every instance of love will entail some willing of some good for some other okay so minimally you need in order to have a friendship you need Goodwill. You need uh, the, the willy of goods between uh, at least two people. And here you can already see the second uh, criterion. Because it won't suffice for friendship if it's just me willing you some good. It also has to be the case, in order for us to count as friends, that you Will some good to me in return? Okay? So, all right. Let's think of uh, who are the Irish folk that Americans most recognize? Well, Connor McGregor would be <laughs> one that would come to mind. So suppose now've I've taken the measure of this man, and I've thought He's a, he is an exceptional striker. He's okay on the ground, uh, but he's wiry. Uh, he's bombastic. Um, I don't admire uh, his language, but there's. I, I wish this man well. Will I be a fr- Will I now be friends with Connor McGregor just because I wish him some good? No. It would also have to be the case that Connor would wish me well in return. So, to, so what a friend is on this account most fundamentally, is uh, someone you love who loves you in return. To be a friend is to love and be loved. To be befriended is to be loved by someone you love. And it's this mutuality that distinguishes friendship from other Kinds of goodwill, okay. But you're saying, suppose, suppose you do wish Conor McGregor well, and this would never happen. This is strictly hypothetical. But suppose that Conor might happen. Maybe he stumbled onto the Thomistic Institute SoundCloud page and thought, <laughs> and, and, and found. I don't know a lecture by Adam Idol and as he's listening to this lecture, he thinks Connor if you're listening It's all true. I do. I do wish you well, but suppose Connor thinks I won't do an Irish accent Uh, This is a good
1: laugh
0: I wish him well, I In just the same way that he wishes me well Will I have a friendship? No Why? Because friendship, according to Thomas, consists not simply in two or more persons who wish each other well, it also requires that there be, and it's hard to get this term into English, some kind of communicatio that obtains between them. Now, here's, there are many different ways you could render this term. Okay. You could render it as a kind of community. Okay. You could render it as a kind of fellowship, a kind of union, a kind of society. It's a togetherness. Thomas never defines the term communicatio like many of his, of the most important terms in his theology. Its meaning has to be learned inductively by inference. What a communicatio is, is it is two or more persons, who are engaged in the mutual pursuit of some good. So let me give you an example. Uh, Yesterday, I was traveling with Lauren, Father, John, Mark, and Thomas refers to the communicatio that um, obtained in our traveling as the communicatio peregrinationis, the fellowship of the road. You know how it is when you um, are on a trip with people that you kind of know or you know really well. You're all in this together. You're all what? Co- cooperating in the pursuit of some good, namely the destination. Okay? I'll give you another example. The fellowship of soldiers. This is another instance of a communicatio. It's the fellowship that obtains between warriors on the battlefield. A family is a kind of communicatio. Okay? Uh, it's It's a kind of communicatio that's founded on the fellowship, literally, of blood. Okay? And the pursuit of the good of the family, among others. So what you need, what would need to happen in order for uh, Connor and me to actually become friends, and rather than just mere well-wishers, is that there would have to be some concourse, some mutuality, some togetherness, some common pursuit of at least some good. In light of which, we will one another some good, principally the good that the communicatio we are engaged in is uh, defined in pursuit of. Lot. To, that's a that's a long sentence. Let me break that down. The thing I want for you. Say we are both engaged in the fello- a fellowship of the road. Okay, we are we are a, we are together in this. There, there in addition to the many other things that I may want for you. And in our co-traveling, I want for you something that I want for myself. Namely, I want to get there. Okay. Now in order to will, to want that for you, you'll notice that there's a lot of other stuff I have to want as well. I need to will, for example, that you be healthy. That you be adequately fed. I need to one for I mean, this is a very concrete instance. I need to will, say that your flight is not delayed two hours. Okay. There's a lot involved in willing certain goods. There are, which is to say there are many other goods that one must be willing in order to be willing those kinds of goods. Remember? Okay? So this most basically, in terms of a kind of state of affairs, a relationship uh, is what uh, Thomas thinks will be entailed in any kind of friendship whatsoever. Two or more persons who wish one another well, okay, and are actually engaged in some fellow uh, kind of pursuit, some mutual, some pursuit of some good that each person wants for one another. Okay. Good. So I've already mentioned some different kinds of friendship or I've, I've at least alluded to them. Let's talk now about different kinds of friendship. Now, here we have to draw some distinctions because in a moment I'm going to say that in Thomas's mind, in fact, there really is only one kind of friendship properly so-called, which means there's only one kind of friendship in which the full idea of what friendship is obtains. Nevertheless, there are other kinds of friendship that, that include many aspects of true friendship, but fall short of that idea in one way or another. Okay. And these are going to be, all this is going to be perfectly familiar to you. And in some instances, It may be painfully familiar. So there are two different ways of thinking about different kinds of friendship. One way to slice and dice this complex um, aspect of human being is to think as we've been thinking now about different kinds of fellowship or communicatio, different kinds of association or society okay there's another way <clears throat> and this has to do with uh, what I've rendered here as different reasons for amiability what's meant here is friendships can be distinguished by the different reasons that Elicit each friend's love for the other, which is to say, they're well wishing. So let's let's think for a moment. Okay. So suppose you in your neighborhood there's a coffee shop, all right? And there's and every day you go get a cup of coffee and you see the clerk and you give the clerk. Um, uh, a bit of money, and the clerk gives you your coffee, you exchange a couple of, uh, of pleasantries, and you're both about your day. Uh, this is what Thomas calls a friendship of utility, and it's there's nothing about it that is blameworthy per se. Okay, it's in fact these kinds of Friendships are entirely necessary. We need them, right? So we need friendships in which the good that's being willed toward the other is some is something useful. And the basis on which that relationship endures is precisely the mutual pursuit of that useful good. In this instance, it's I mean it's it's a bit complex, but um, what you're looking for is coffee and an honest exchange of goods, X amount of coffee, uh, for X amount of, of, uh, euro or dollars, where, wherever you may be. Okay. Uh, the difficult thing, the painful thing sometimes about friendships of utility, uh, is when you discover that a friendship that you thought had a very different character turns out to have been a friendship of utility. What do I mean? Well, um, when you are willing, when you are in, involved in a friendship of utility, you are willing the other some good, not for their own sake, okay, but in light of the good that is uh, that returns to you through that friendship. And the best evidence of this is that when a friendship no longer proves useful, to either party it dissolves. Okay? So suppose you're just really great at geometry and Johnny befriends you. Johnny's not so great at geometry. Johnny's gonna fail. Johnny needs help with geometry. Johnny seems to think you're great. Uh, this has come out of nowhere. It's a bolt from the blue, but it's it's a it's this is welcomed attention and Johnny lo and behold barely passes his exam, which is good enough for Johnny. And as soon as summer break hits, Johnny's gone friendship of utility. Okay. It makes sense. Uh, there's nothing wrong with friendships of utility per se, but a lot of confusion in life emerges out of the ambiguities that um, are involved in, in these kinds of relationship. Uh, another type of friendship that you um, will be familiar with is, uh, is what Thomas calls a friendship based on pleasure. And in this instance, it's not the utility, it's not the, some mutual benefit that accrues to each friend in the mutual pursuit of some good. It is rather uh, the pleasure. This is um, maybe the most benign version of a friendship like this would be, you know, your drinking buddies. You know, the people you see at the pub, you're all there. For a pint to get light, you know, a lighter head for a heavy heart and everyone goes home and, you know, and, and has a good rest and, and, and that's life. Okay. Uh, friends of pleasure, they will one another good, not for their own sake, but for the pleasure that each affords the other. And, uh, once again, the best evidence of this is that these friendships also dissolve no sooner than the one friend ceases to be a source of pleasure for the other. Okay? Um, so, well, you wouldn't even call the the worst aspects of hookup culture friendships of pleasure because there's no longevity to in these connections. All right? But uh, people speak of friends with benefits in, in, in a really... Uh, creed way, okay? These are friendships of pleasure par excellence, okay? The mutual pursuit of pleasure is what joins people together, and when that pursuit um, is no longer um, worthy of pursuit or deemed worthy of pursuit, the relationship ends. Now, what Thomas calls true friendship actually involves within itself, it contains within itself the best aspects of friendships of utility and friendships of pleasure. But it's, um, but what true friendship is actually something quite different than, okay. What I mean is, is that when you have a true friendship, a friendship properly so called, it will be the case that you um, that, that your friend is a source of pleasure. Um, You will enjoy their presence. Your friend will be a, a benefit to you, a help in a time of need, and you will be a help to your friend. But it's neither the pleasure nor the utility that either of you, in the case of true friendship, are principally aiming at. And here we arrive at an aspect of Thomas's account of friendship that he does not learn from Aristotle. This is something that I I believe Thomas has come to see, as far as I can tell, on his own. And I'm going to bring that into focus just by putting the question to you. You have friends, so tell me, what is it that you are pursuing in those friendships? What is the good on account of which your friendship obtains if to love another is to will them some good and a true friendship obtains just if two or more persons are engaged in the mutual well-wishing of some good and not simply well-wishing but they are together in some form of fellowship working each other's good what is the good that friends want for each other principally. What is it? Do you know? Not a not not a rhetorical question. And you don't have to, you know. So the way this goes is, it's better if the first answer isn't right, you know. Like they want to see the other thrive. They want to see the other thrive. That that's certainly entailed in in what Thomas thinks of as true friendship, but it's not the thing that the friends are principally after. Yeah. Aren't they trying to give you the the book of friendship? friendship? That's That's about as close as we're, yes, that's exactly what Thomas thinks. So the thing it is that friends want most of all for each other, according to Thomas, and I think in truth, is their friendship. It's precisely this arrangement of goods. It's precisely the mutuality of this well-wishing, this togetherness. In a very real sense, if I love you as you love me, and I love you as true friends do you for their own sake, then what I'm wanting for you principally is our friendship. And in a more even more basic sense, what I'm wanting for you is me. It's us. It's this mutuality, this dwelling together, this passing the time, this living together. Have you ever noticed that you don't really do a lot when you're with your friends, it, or or it doesn't? It often just doesn't matter what you're doing, so long as you're doing something. Yeah, I mean, some some friendships, like the one I'm describing right now, will emerge out of some particular activity, or be rooted in some particular activity, but you can take that activity away, and the friendship persists. So Thomas summarizes all this by saying something to the effect that the chief act of friendship, the thing that friends do, the thing that they're in, living in pursuit of, precisely as friends, is simply uh, convivere to live together. And it's not living together here doesn't mean simply uh, living in a herd. You know, there's a, some cows up here on the on the hillside, and they're herd animals. They're they're social creatures. They they don't live in solitary. Um, your little hermitages, okay, but the mutuality, the togetherness, that the union that friends personally seek is not simply a proximity born out of uh, the need to secure oneself from danger. It's a distinctly human good. Okay, so, Thomas will say now, and now I'm coming at coming back to summarize this, and I'm going to touch now on the, the sense in which friendship is not simply a kind of uh, an arrangement of goods, relationship, state of affairs, but also entails a kind of habit. So he'll say friendship entails some kind of, again, not easy to get into English, but a qualitas. It's a facing of the other toward the other. So too, it will involve not merely well-wishing, but uh, the willing and working of each other's good. And notice to be engaged in a true friendship, to be willing one another, uh, the some good for each other's sake, Okay, it will involve willing not simply that good, but many other goods besides. But it will also entail, and this is crucial, a habitual disposition. So we've been talking about virtues this morning. Virtues are a kind of habit or habitual disposition. Okay? It's a capacity toward activity. Friendship, Thomas thinks, is like this. It's also a habit, but it's not a virtue. It's rather, in the case of true friendship, a uh, a habit that is a kind of emergent property that, that comes consequent to virtue. Does that make sense? You'll notice, right? So, when we talk about our friendships, we talk about something that is that endures over time, that persists. What Thomas wants to draw our attention to it is the thing about each person in a friendship of that kind that makes it so that each friend is inclined in a certain way toward the other. Okay? So I'm, gonna, I'm going to leave it at that and open this up for questions, but by way of anticipation, I want to gesture toward why all of this is so supremely important in the context of your faith. What we'll see this afternoon is that Thomas takes this account of friendship, and he says, you know what? When Jesus says in John 15, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends, He's precisely talking about a mutual well-wishing that obtains between you and him, and by extension, all those, all of, all those that Jesus loves in addition to you. And it's founded. Not, it's not simply a, a, a fiction. It's not simply a, a, a well-wishing from a distance. But it's founded on the actual concrete pursuit of some end. And that's God. And the love of charity that's poured into your heart okay, is habit. It's a virtue, but it's also a kind of friendship. It's a mutual, it's a disposition to love God and others in God that God gives you. And grows in you through the sacraments by God, by his grace, as he, as he wills. Okay. And by bringing all this into focus, Thomas wants to give us a more fine-grained understanding of what the Christian life is all about. Thanks for listening to this lecture on the Thomistic Institute podcast. The generosity of people like you makes this podcast possible. If you enjoy these talks, please consider showing your support at www.temisticinstitute.org slash donate. Your donation of even a dollar helps us reach more college students and many others with the powerful truths of the faith, and it ensures that we can keep publishing top-notch lectures on this podcast. Thanks a lot.